Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vegan Radio Podcast. This summer, Vegan Radio will be going on tour with the Vegan Bus, a full-size school bus that runs on waste vegetable oil. We'll be doing vegan education and outreach and events across the U.S. Using art, performance, and multimedia to increase public awareness about the connections between dietary choice, personal health, cultural ethics, and a globally sustainable ecology. Oh yeah. Vegan Radio will be documenting the journey with regular podcasts as well as video clips. Please consider making a small donation or a big one to the Vegan Bus Project to help us make the summer 2009 tour happen. We feel this project has the potential to reach thousands of people and get them to consider veganism. We need a strong community to make it happen. If you'd like to volunteer or contribute... Visit TheVeganBus.com for more details, and thanks for listening. Hi, you're listening to Valley Free Radio on WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. And it is now time for your favorite vegan newscast ever, Vegan Radio. I'm your host, Derek, and we have Jillian and Christine in the studio. <laughs> I'm always in the studio. <laughs> hey. All right. Today, on today's show, we're hopefully going to have Sarah Kramer from How It All Began. We can hope. I'm so excited. I'm so <laughs> excited. I'm going to try to stay calm. <laughs> stay calm. Yeah. It'll be okay. And we have in the studio with us Christine Costigan. Is that right? Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who was a runner-up in the PETA's Sexiest Vegetarian Next Door. Is that right? Yep. <laughs> okay. So we're going to find out what that's all about from our inside source. It'll be awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how was your week, Derek? Was it good? Was it a good vegan week? <laughs> as far as veganism is concerned, it was fine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on week seven today. Week seven. Week seven. Lucky number wow, seven. That is a lucky number. Mm-hmm. And, and we just found out Christine's a newbie to the total vegan experience. Two weeks, right? Three weeks. Yep, three, three weeks? weeks. Yep. That's awesome. It is awesome. It so is. I, I brought news items today. Should I should I do that now or should we wait? Or? You brought news items? <laughs> yeah, wanna, I brought a couple news be, items. You want to be Scott this week? Yeah, I want to be Scott. I can't be Scott, though. We miss you, Scott. <laughs> Scotty, hang in there. I wonder if he's listening to us streaming live. That'd be amazing. In Iowa. <laughs> All right. Uh, first news item sent to me by my lovely roommate is that PETA wants to turn George Clooney's sweat into flavored tofu. Is that called clofu? <laughs> it is. Clofu. Yes, you read that right. Don't act surprised. This is Peter we're talking about here. Oh. <laughs> um, but apparently Ingrid Newkirk, president of PETA, uh, has a new idea for promoting tofu to make it George Clooney flavored. The organization received a sweaty towel Clooney recently used at a gym in D.C. from a PETA supporter who thought it might be auctioned to raise money. 
Newkirk, however, right away suggested that it would be better to serve as a flavoring for tofu. Um, she apparently wrote George <laughs> Clooney a <coughs> a letter, uh, and I can read that letter if you want. It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, we have been offered some of your perspiration, apparently taken from a towel at a gym in Washington, D.C. We are big fans, and this prospect has given us an interesting idea that we hope to amuse you too. We hope will amuse you too. The technology actually exists to take your perspiration and make it into George Clooney flavored tofu. Tofu. Clufu. Tofu. Clufu. 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 Whoa. We would be. <laughs> we could do that and give the tofu away. Of course, your fans would swoon at the idea of eating clufu. I guess I'm not a fan. <laughs> but what interests us most is that we would attract many people who don't try tofu because they worry that it would be bland or that they wouldn't know how to cook it. Clufu will help people be healthier and more environmentally friendly and will spare animals from being killed for the table. The science is pretty straightforward. According to Dr. Kevin Keener of Purdue University, all animals, including human beings, have unique odor profiles. Dr. Harry Lawless of Cornell University. Do you have a unique odor profile, Jillian Odor? Oh, zing. Yes. That's Jillian's last name. It is. (laughs) <laughs> the Harry Lawless of Cornell University reports that if you use a simple a sample of human perspiration, there is no different from made it, making artificial chicken flavor for instant gravy. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Gas chromatography can be used to confirm stability of the stimulant matrix. In this case, your sweat. There are trained panels of individuals with sensitive noses who can smell, describe smells to very precise degree. They would evaluate your sample and quali- quantify various odors in order to replicate them and use them flavor batches of bean curd. Researchers, right, right. <laughs> yes. So what goes on? <laughs> um, blah blah blah. Researchers <clears throat> determined that generally smell of cheese, women, and onions. So this this falls under the category of to doing outrageous things. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting idea, but um, George Clooney responded with, as a mammal, I'm offended. That wow. was his commentary back, which I thought was pretty good. Um, the other news item I have is that um, it's been announced that JCPenney is for free now. Uh, with more than 1,000 stores in 49 states, they become for free, making it the first multiple location traditional department store to be for free and on its website. The company is currently fur free and has no plans for fur item in the future. So I uh, thought that was pretty great. And the article I have here says that we should all take steps to make sure they never go back to selling fur. But it's JC pretty Tony. impressive. Yeah. How much can we really count on corporations? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> Not much, but it, it is, you know, it's something. I have a corporation news story. Oh, good. Bocas to stop using eggs by the end of 2009. Fantastic. <clears throat> the maker of the Boca burger, which tastes like a <laughs> ha- McDonald's hamburger. Does it? I think. Well, to me it does, but I haven't eaten I always e- liked Boca better, but I, I didn't know. Did they have some eggs in some of it? Yeah, well, they had one vegan burger. And yeah, then they, they do have all, a vegan one. All the other eggs. ones are bad. Do they market vegan? Are they like, this is the vegan uh, No, one. they're vegetarian. I think they're owned by some bigger company probably. Uh, I'm not totally sure that, but I do remember something like that. Mm-hmm. They're not as good as uh, Sunshine Burgers. <laughs> I like Sunshine Burgers better. Mm-hmm. I like uh, homemade burgers. That's not an endorsement, by the way. <laughs> Eat what you want, <laughs> as long as it's not meat. <laughs> um, other news. I got some more news. 
Are you got any news, Christine? No. <laughs> no. We've still got a breaker in. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, U.S. finalizes ban on cattle too sick to walk. This is a kind of big news. If <clears throat> anyone's been following the Mad Cow uh, storyline over the past few years, one of the ways that people get ma- mad cow disease is when cows get with the disease get ground up and put into the human food supply. It's pretty much an indestructible prion uh, abnormal protein that causes mad cow to manifest in the human brain. It eats holes in your brain. Nice. So after many, many years since this has been discovered in, in meat, well, the USDA proposed yes. a total ban on downer cattle. So downer cows are cows that are, um, when they get to the slaughterhouse, they're too weak to stand up or they're sick. And uh, we should have never been putting these in the human food chain, but for the longest time they have been. Um, so they're going to get rid of them now. And now... Where are they going to go? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> well, horrible things happen to these downer cows to get them into slaughter alive. They use like forklifts and yeah. No, I've seen seen some pretty bad things. footage. But um, yeah. It, of course, it doesn't really say what's going to happen to them. But the last year there was a big um, undercover operation at the Hallmark food processors, meat processors, and they recalled 143 million pounds of meat. A lot of that had gone to schools. Of course. And uh, so the new rule is designed to enhance consumer confidence and humane handling standards and will provide clear guidance that non-ambulatory cattle will not be allowed to enter the human food supply, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack said. So that's what they're saying. Well, of course, these, these standards are always very lax and there's not enough inspectors and they don't inspect most of the cattle that are slaughtered for mad cow disease. So but there's it's a lot putting of suspicion the word out. that these downer cows have mad cow disease. And All right. Um, I read somewhere that once it goes past the inspection, if they show signs of mad cow, like limping, as long as it went through the inspection, they still let that cow continue on. And I'm not yeah, sure. well, the, <clears throat> the, the whole thing is that the mad cow disease takes a long time to start showing symptoms in mammals, and the larger the mammal, the longer the time it takes. So in, in cows, you know, they might not get it till the end of their lifespan, and, well, they're usually killed long before they get anywhere close to that. So, yeah. Lovely. <laughs> so this <clears throat> this is a rule, and it will probably be broken, but at least we have a rule now. What else? What else? Story time. What else? Obama. Obama is doghouse. <clears throat> Obama is <laughs> in the vegan doghouse. Uh oh. He uh, <clears throat> upheld a Bush era Obama administration upheld a Bush era decision to remove gray wolves in northern Rockies and the western Great Lakes region from federal protection under the Endangered Species Act. Interior Secretary Ken Salazar said in review of the January decision found that scientists do support the conclusion that the gray wolf populations in those areas are healthy. The recovery of the gray wolf throughout significant portions of its historic range is one of the great success stories of the Endangered Species Act, Salazar said in a statement. When it was listed as endangered in 1974, the wolf had almost disappeared from the continental United States. Today, we have more than 5,500 wolves, including more than 1,600 in the Rockies. That doesn't seem like a lot to me, but... No, well, I mean, 
So what's the, what's the problem here? <laughs> the problem? Um, well, so so basically they're going to let people hunt these oh. wolves, the predators. Oh, so it, people are allowed to hunt them in general. Yeah. Um, some environmental groups protested the ruling and vowed to sue. Today is a truly disappointing day, Defenders of Wildlife President Roger Schlickzein said in a statement. Defenders of Wildlife will now move to sue Secretary Salazar as quickly as possible. If this rule is allowed to stand, nearly two-thirds of the wolves in the northern Rockies could be killed. On the other side, we have, I'm satisfied, biologist David Metch says. A leading wolf expert and senior research scientist with the U.S. Geological Survey supported the Bush administration's assertion that the wolf population had rebounded. I'm satisfied, and most wolf biologists I know are satisfied, that wolf populations in both regions have been biologically recovered for the last five years. Probably works for the government and knows other government biologists mm. that would agree. <laughs> See, uh, that's one of those stories you have to look at and then, both sides of, because I read that story, you know, I mean, not that particular story, but I was like, oh, great, you know, wolves, there's a lot of them now, you know, and now you, I hear the, uh, yeah, the other well, side that, of it, and it's like, oh. You know, they're basically <laughs> great. What, what the usual situation is, is that we, uh, you know, we have the cattle and animals that are grazing and getting fat so that humans can eat them. And then you have the predator animals. So we kill the, kill the predator animals so that we can grow our, our food animals. And then the food animals get killed for us. And then we get sick from their flesh and then we die. And then, uh, and then we have to support the pharmaceutical industry. And then the robots take over. Is that next? Hopefully, hopefully. No. <laughs> <laughs> they probably have more common sense than us. Um, Idaho and Montana have plans to allow for the hunting of wolves found to be harassing livestock. There are no immediate plans for hunts in the western Great Lakes, which has nearly 4,000 wolves. Here we go with Idaho Governor C.L. Butch Otter on Friday, repeated his <laughs> desire to get the first available wolf hunting tag in the state so he can try to shoot one of the animals. The fish and game population is really counting on a robust population of trophy animals to maintain that part of our economy, he said. Under his tremendous He's mustache. A sick, <laughs> sick man. Yeah, so a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, so-called wildlife management has to do with hunters wanting to kill animals and and then they're put on the boards of government agencies that regulate the hunting of animals mm -hmm. and it's endless cycle of killing for trophies and redneck purposes <laughs> redneck needs and purposes <laughs> <sighs> and for more depressing news yay <laughs> do we have time for more depressing news I, I believe we have all the time in the world well we still have to talk to christine here Yes, we do. We have, yes, we can do it. It's gonna be. Do you want to take a yes, Christine break before we go with depressing news? A Christine break? No. Let's let's just plow through the de <laughs> depressing news. Human overfishing starves dolphins, sharks, and seabirds. This is actually the most depressing story today, I believe. Um, dolphins, sharks, and other large marine species around the world are going hungry as they seek out dwindling supplies of the small, overlooked species they feed on according to a new study that says overfishing is draining their food sources. In a report released March 2nd, scientists with the international conservation group Oceana said they found several species were emaciated, reproducing slowly and declining in numbers in part because their food sources are being fished out. This is the first time we're seeing a worldwide trend that more and more large animals are going hungry. 
Margaret Stiles, a marine biologist at Oceana and the author of the report, said from Washington, D.C. The researchers looked at the health of prey species stocks like herring, pollock, mackerel, squid, and anchovita to determine what effect overfishing is having on the larger predators that feed on them. Using data from the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization, they found that the majority are overexploited by the fishery. Only 20% of the prey species being fished can sustain the larger predators. In Canada, scientists say Atlantic cod in the Gulf of St. Lawrence are becoming skinny because they are having more trouble finding reliable sources of small prey. In Maryland's Chesapeake Bay, striped bass are turning up emaciated because of shrinking supplies of herring and anchovies. Whales are having a difficult time finding prey, which researchers say might be affecting their ability and decision to mate. For many endangered whale species, diminished food sources could mean their populations will have trouble recovering. Seabirds are being particularly hard-headed as they choose not to mate because they can't guarantee food sources. In Norway, there was a 64% drop in the number of birds having chicks in one year. Aquaculture is the greatest source of overfishing. The problem is that as stocks of larger species are depleted, fishermen work their way down the marine food chain and fish smaller prey. Biologists warn that there might be little left in the world's oceans as fishermen fish out the seas. The study says aquaculture is probably the greatest source of overfishing for prey species, accounting for 81% of small fish that are caught and ground up into meal or oil to feed raised fish. Climate change is also taking its toll on prey fish, which are more sensitive to warming ocean temperatures than their larger predators. So if the world's waters continue to warm, scientists worry stocks will have even more difficulty recovering. That is sad. <clears throat> And yeah, <clears throat> sad. And it's, you know, fish are the last thing on people's agenda. The last animal, usually there's, you know, quote, vegetarians who eat fish. And <clears throat> I know some of those. Better stop it. I was one. <laughs> oh. Remember, I said, first time we met, I said something. I was like, show me a cute fish. <laughs> yeah, well, there are cute fish. And then I was like, oh, fish are cute. They're good. Um, I keep on thinking of this image in my head of a seagull on a beach eating my entire bagel with cream cheese in a plastic bag whole. And I, I know that seagull wasn't starving. It was just being a seagull because that's what they do. But <laughs> it's like just the whole concept of like, you know, animals in general you'd think are fine. And you don't think of them either because that's the last thing on our list is to see animals. Yeah, oh, they're fine because we're so detached from it. And the second thing is like people aren't going to think about sharks. And like people are like, ah, oh, good for them. Get rid of the sharks. Yeah, well, we yeah we you definitely know, have this. It's, thing. it's like the wolves again, another a scary animal. Yeah, we like to kill the predator animals. It's because we want to win. We got to be on top. Eat, <laughs> eat the vegetarian animals, <clears throat> and especially exploit the female animals of the species, cows and uh, layer hens. This is true. The worst exploited. Hi, this is Rory Friedman, co-author of Skinny Bitch, and you're listening to Vegan Radio on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, Northampton, 103.3 FM, and podcasting at veganradio.com. Love animals, don't eat them, gross! We have here Christine Costigan. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Great. <laughs> She's a little shy, but very beautiful. Uh, winner... Runner-up of the PETA, what's it called? Uh, sexiest Vegetarian Next Door. <laughs> sexiest Vegetarian Next Door. I love it. So 
how did you well you're you're a local person which is why you have we have you on the show you're live in Westfield yep. Massachusetts so how did you initially become involved in this um well I've always been on the PETA website looking up things and um I started researching more because I'm doing a clothing line and I wanted to make sure everything was cruelty free so I was on the site I ran across the contest which I seen last year didn't think of entering I'm like well I'll give it a shot this year and I did and I couldn't believe it when they said I was a finalist. There's like hundreds awesome. of girls from all over the country, so it was pretty cool. What are, were your requirements to be in this contest? Um, you just ha- you kind of had to fill out like a little survey why you're a vegetarian, um, you know, just your thoughts about animals and animal cruelty, and what you're doing yourself to make a difference. Um, and then you send three pictures. <laughs> I think that's kind of the whole thing. Some yeah. of those pictures were pretty uh, sultry of some of the, some of you girls in there. Yeah, some of them were like in underwear, and <laughs> but <clears throat> I kept it clean. Well, yeah, they're looking for girl <laughs> next door here, <laughs> not girl next door through her window or whatever. Being in this contest, I take it helped you transition from vegetarian to veganism. Oh yeah. Um, started researching i mean i came across a site that said milk and pus and blood cells and that was it i was like oh god blood and pus and fecal matter that's our motto yeah that's kind of sick so <laughs> although I, i've been a vegetarian since i was 12 um i guess it was just a compassion thing and i never really researched it um because i was lazy so um once i started looking into pus and blood cells because somebody's like well where are you hearing that crap so I had to like research things. I'm going right on the FDA and you know United States Department of Agriculture, all kinds of sites with this information, and it's true. It's in there. Oh, I know. And we're we're you eating it, and me. we're feeding it to our children. And um, I mean, that just started a whole research thing. Three weeks, no sleep, researching. And you have two kids of your own. Yes. And you don't want to feed them any more pus and fecal matter. I do not. And. Um, I started learning about um, who makes the choices about what our kids eat in school, and it's pretty sad. I mean, um, some of these meetings, they have the people that are in them. They're scientific meetings, and you have Pepsi, Sara Lee, the pork industry, the milk industry. So you have all these people making decisions on what your children are eating, and it's pretty sick. Yeah, it's pretty sick, and and then the school programs also get like the – the low-grade meats and dairy products. Well, I'm not sure about dairy, but I know they get the low-grade meats, which is why they ended up with uh, the meat from the slaughterhouse that got busted. Not good. Not, not cool. good. Not cool. Feeding feeding our children downed cattle. It's so funny. They like possibly have mad cow disease. I mean, you think about school lunches, and you think about the term mystery meat, right? That's something that's synonymous with yeah, school think, lunch. I, I think like I, I've tried to block out my school lunch experience. I can't quite remember eating. I was fortunate. The only thing I, I, I had the, uh, uh, boarding school. We had good meals, and we had to choose. We got to choose what we wanted to eat. There wasn't a particular thing. So, but there was some pretty sketchy stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, I just remember the ice cream sandwiches. Oh yeah. Now Tofuti makes ones that are just as good. So. Yeah, I just had the uh, mint chocolate chip ones the other day. We were pretty good. <laughs> It's kind of my comfort food right now. So how many people started out? Um, there were like hundreds, and then they narrowed it down to 16. 
Um, and then 16. There, then there was a round, and then they narrowed it down to eight. So you made it to the eight. The eight. And then they narrowed it down to four. Wow. And um, and that's where I got cut off. <laughs> but it was still, it was really that's cool. That's pretty good, though, eight. Yeah, and the girls that made it, they were all from big cities, and they got a lot of publicity and media attention. And, um, you know, mine came a week too late, but... It was to, it was really fun and it was really cool and I didn't think that I was going to make it that far so so do you think they um they put as much emphasis on who you are as people what your uh your thoughts and your convictions about veganism and stuff do you think that plays as much of a part or do people just go and look at the pictures and pick who they think is the prettiest well I think that the contest in general was just trying to get people to go to the site. So I think it was more so they could explore themselves because at the end of the voting, um, there would be um, like a link for your 30-day vegetarian kit. Um, so it would say, thank you for voting. Um, you know, click here to order your vegetarian kit. So I think it was more about finding attractive women to bring people to the site. And then hopefully when they're there, you know, they'll research a little bit more with you know, maybe they would never even gave that site a thought, but because of this. And they have they have a sexiest male too, right? Yep. So <clears throat> it's it's kind of controversial. A little mm-hmm. bit. I don't know. I I'm really excited. I, you know, I read about this clufu thing, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's an idea. Why do we have to keep uh, going back to this clufu? Because it's hilarious, and you're, I love George Clooney. Clufu, I really want some. It's been pretty much where it's at. Um, <laughs> but like. You know, it's like how Robert Downey Jr. Googles himself. It and does. I would like to Google Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but is regard- that like innuendo? Or? No, I mean, <laughs> actually, for me it is. For him, he actually Googles himself. Right. But um, no, I've been getting the PETA 2 newsletter in my email. And, it's, you know, that's the hip PETA. That's for the for the kids, for the young kids. And... Um, I, I think some of the stuff they do is a lot of fun. I end up clicking on their website, especially with, you know, these kind of more interesting things and, you know, yeah, they're really sex good. sells, they're right? They're really good at attracting attention and, yeah, and, and I've well, they want to talk to people who have gone vegan through PETA's efforts. Yeah. And they, I think they're trying to do a lot more lighthearted stuff because they're known for heavy duty, hardcore protest, you know, and they got a bad rep because of it. And they're like, look, we're, we're fun. We're fun well, kids. Yeah, they, they they go over the line sometimes. So. They do, and I'm you know I'm not condoning or or n- not condoning uh, uh, PETA, but in general, I think that they've really they've really picked it up because I went from being like I'm not even interested to looking at their site a lot more, and the kits are pretty cool, and the list of animal ingredients that you can put on your iPod and whatnot. You know, it's it's some good info there, and a really kind of zazzy website. Zazzy. Yeah. So did you get their newsletter? Is that what happened? Is that how you got involved with the contest? You were just... No, it was just... Um, I go to their site? Yeah. You're a fan? For information, yeah. Yeah. And I'm a marketing major, so I've taken classes on advertising and marketing. And, I mean, you can say they're going a little too far, but what company doesn't? I mean, you're creating ads to cause impact. If you're not doing that, you're not doing a good job at advertising. I mean, sometimes... You could say they're pushing a little bit, but I mean you can argue that with anything, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's it's more of that they are well, they're the most prominent animal rights group, so all animal rights activists kind of get thrown by 
Into the PETA thing. Into the PETA thing. The, by the cow's blood on fur coats category. PETA, right? PETA does <laughs> alienate a lot of other um, social nonprofit groups and, uh, you know, activists from other, you know, like women's rights people. And also they, they recently did something where they dressed up in Ku Klux Klan outfits to protest. I can't even remember what. But it was it was yeah. a very racially insensitive thing to do, I think. Yeah, they have no a name matter. at this point. They don't need to be pulling ridiculous yeah, stunts. So, so they're, some of their stuff is cool, and then sometimes they go way over the edge and make us all look bad and alienate other causes, which I think in these times we really need to unite. I think the best causes. advice to anyone is, you know, don't don't go with the stereotypes of a specific um, organization or whatever just do your own research I mean you don't even have to say that you're part of anything um, because there's a lot of people who are animal rights activists that don't even know what they're talking about so don't take your information from them just go out and do your own research and get your own truth um, from what's available and make your own decisions based on that and you don't even have to join anything just kind of be aware um, of the truth. Yeah, well, that's what we need is more people to be uh, break free from the the mass brainwashing and no, and I start t- discovering. And veganism is typically well, like Christine has been saying, how these three weeks she's been just on the internet constantly finding more and more things out. Um, that's what veganism is usually a thread that you can pull on that starts to unravel all <laughs> kinds of uh, other beliefs you've had that have been founded in uh unreality well and it's funny too because i feel like a lot of people in my life um are worried about me being vegan and like i've never been judgmental in my life and people know that about me who've known me for a long time people will be like sorry what i'm eating is not vegan is that cool like when they're around me i'm like you've known me for 10 years like i'm never gonna have a problem with that like if you eat some vegan food and you love it and you decide to go vegan on your own and that's cool i'm not gonna push either way if you ask me information i'll give it to you but like the fact is that like you know we're not the best thing to do is not to be judgmental about other people's choices and the you know we expect that from others too in general well i I think you can be judgmental (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I this, this whole I mean, show is about a judgment. We're it, I mean, it is a judgment, but we're also providing information so people can make think, their own judgments. I think what is uh, needed is to be compassionate with other people. You know, you can't attack them and make them feel uncomfortable. You have to kind of try to understand their mindset and, and yeah. talk to them. And, you can just tease them until they're on vegan radio with you and then vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who comes on our show becomes vegan. <laughs> Magic powers. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's good. And I I do supply information to people when they think, when I think they might need it. But pushing anything on anyone is is not going to be extremely attractive, you know, for anything. Religion, food, doesn't matter. But supplying information is, what is it, knowledge is power? Knowledge is power. But the problem I'm running into is nobody wants to hear the truth. Yeah, well, they only want to hear, you know, what's already been fed to them, and they're not willing to budge. And I don't true. know. <laughs> I mean, you can't be judgmental, but when somebody refuses to hear your side and they trust the government over you, that's pretty <laughs> sad when you're in a family. That's pretty you typical. Know? <laughs> 
yeah even people who consider themselves open-minded like i was you know only vegetarian before because i used the the mask of hedonism oh i want to eat this and that and enjoy life and the other thing now look at you yeah i know right you're eating more exciting (laughs) stuff i still get fat (laughs) i still get fat in my diet i have very rich foods that's been my goal to make like really satisfying foods because i think that helps me stick with it well well fine yeah let's fight about it (laughs) well i I just (laughs) wanted to say the flip side is um that people will say you know that their diet is their personal choice but it's uh it's you know that you're taking away the choice of life from a sentient being this is true so your own personal choice which is mostly for a a pleasure on your tongue that's very fleeting well animals spend their lives imprisoned this is true tortured (laughs) and then brutally killed yeah something that it's and I know Dave really Warwick necessary. has been thinking about it a lot that lately. I've been noticing on Facebook. <laughs> that was his, his deal this week or past couple of weeks. He's been talking about personal choice. And I think the conclusions I've come to in terms of it is that, yes, it is your personal choice, but you've got to acknowledge what you just said there, that like your personal choice is taking away another creature's personal choice. You've got to understand what your personal choice means, what's actually happening there, like the cycle of it. Because I think a lot of people don't acknowledge it at all. Like, I um, I believe I watched Earthlings for the first time. Um, great documentary about animals and the torture that they go through. And I um, my mind was, and this happens to a lot of people. And I've you know you've read commentary on the documentary. Like it, it blew my mind. I was blown out of the water because I had been so incredibly, I had absolutely no idea. And I think that. 95% of this country has absolutely no idea what's going on at all. And that's the thing is that people are so blind to it and it, it hurts and is gut wrenching to find out anything opposite. And I think that's why a lot of people might not want to listen because it's incredibly hard. Like I'm not a killer, you know, <laughs> like people don't want to hear that. It's the ethical blind spot is what I call it. Yeah. I mean, the other approach to go with them is about health, but you know, oh, I don't care if I'm healthy or not too. That's another thing. Cause we don't want to think that as a country, we're getting fatter and more unhealthy. What, <laughs> I, what I hear the most is, well, I don't care. It just tastes good. And that's kind of sick and sad. And I mean, that's the worst thing I can hear out of somebody's mouth when I say it, you know, I'd rather them say, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm doing it rather than I don't care. It tastes good. That's just, yeah. That's yeah. Just the worst and that's thing. a sorry excuse well, because yeah, vegan I mean, food if, is delicious. If, if you use that to justify <laughs> anything, you know, yeah, I bring up that. I mean, you're giving a cow as a natural vegetarian, you're feeding it another cow. And, you know, I bring up that and they're like, well, would you like to be fed humans, your family? And they said, well, if humans taste good. I mean, that's, that's just sick and sad. And yeah. Well, it's just, just different levels of ignorance manifesting. all right well let's take a little bit of a musical break and then we'll come back with some more you're listening to wxojlp northampton 103.3 fm the show is vegan radio you can check us out online at veganradio.com we also podcast through itunes we're available on the pacifica radio network what do we listen to what song this is uh, beloved binge one of our favorite vegan bands with freedom fries why do you frown at me, sweet lady liberty? Land of Obama free, taste for Texas tea forever. 
We are back. Kramerless. Kramerless. I'm so sad. I know. This is our big letdown. I'm kind of wearing a shirt she would wear. I'm being an extra fan girl today. Really? <laughs> well, we're Facebook friends. <clears throat> well, we could do what Scott and I did when we lost the Will Tuttle interview. We could... Uh, Pretend that I'm her? We could no. channel Sarah Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> That'll teach her. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, this is this is my fault. It's okay. It's gonna be all right. It's gonna be just fine. Somehow I thought I had her number and I didn't. Everything's She's not gonna answering be her good. Ma- email. She's not on Facebook. Where are you, Sarah? Where are you, Sarah? I hope she's listening. I couldn't even tweet her. You couldn't even tweet her. <laughs> tweet her. I barely know her. <laughs> oh. Well, we do have Christine back in the studio with us. We do. Christine Costigan, runner-up in the PETA's sexiest vegetarian next door, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> if, if it was a contest between you and Jillian, it might be tough for me, though. <laughs> You're both very beautiful souls. We're, d- we're different types of pretty. Yep. And vegan. Oh. <laughs> well, just being vegan, like... Is instant yeah. hotness. Instant hotness. Unless you're like totally whack vegan. I'm totally finding that too. I've been, um, you know, not on the dating scene at all so much. But, you know, and when a guy's... I forgot something the other day, which was... I remember a while ago, there was a bunch of like this punk rock kind of vegan scene. Which, you know, propaganda, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're all so cute. Little vegan boys, so cute, right? And then I was like, wait a minute, I can't ever date them. And now, now I can date them. Another vegan tip right there. Well, that probably <laughs> most of our <laughs> listeners will not be happy because as as a lot of people know, the vegan movement is more women than men. And so there's, for, for vegan sexuals, which are people who only date other vegans, vegans who only date vegans, um, that narrows the playing field even further having two new cute girl vegans in the this moment. is true <laughs> but for the guys it just you know more options right yeah well i was at the farm sanctuary event and we were talking and they were saying how the <clears throat> movement is you know all the guys in the movement are kind of the leaders of the movement so there's there is a like a a sexist problem with the movement i don't know if it's intentionally sexist or it's just somehow somehow there's a lot of men well the women are coming up i think i mean sarah kramer and then we you know we got our veganomicon authors and they're both tremendously huge especially in the past year i mean it's like just huge female writers coming out with really beautiful books and but then again you know cooking is kind of the sexist idea of what women should do yes but we got to remember that professional cooks (laughs) and cookbook writers for hundreds of years were men so women taking it back is actually the new feminism taking back the home the home things Uh, that's that's the way i'm a feminist i think you know i do the the sewing stuff and the cooking stuff and all that stuff in my home because i can not because i have to the new hair. feminism. <laughs> and I wear dresses because I can. Yes, exactly. Not because I have to. I still haven't seen this cow suit, Derek. I'm 
It's on my Facebook. I well, I seen it on the Facebook, but not in life. So oh, it's it's a very warm thing to wear. So <laughs> I should have had it out last month. I or... guess so, because you're gonna have to wear it during the summer now, and well, you're doomed. If you go into the desert of Nevada at night, it's pretty cold. So. There you go, nice and cozy. Have you slept in it before? That's my question. Slept in it? Yeah. No, not yet. <laughs> it's not as fuzzy on the inside. It'd be it'd be better for somebody who is sleeping next to me to cuddle up to than it is for me being inside it cow derek yes (laughs) (laughs) so what else in the we have to we have to grill christine yes i think that's what we have to do come to so what's what's been your well we talked about some of your bigger challenges is kind of telling people uh about the information that you found but personally have you had people giving you a hard time about your personal choice becoming vegan um no when i first became vegetarian my dad i was 12 so he's like no way it's a phase you can't do this um and at that time i'm 28 now so it was kind of weird to be one because nobody i knew was one Mm -hmm. and i'm just like hey i'm not eating a cow that's sad um so that was a challenge but other than that no pretty supportive Uh, any restaurant i go to there's always some alternative or they can recommend something if it's not on the menu. Um, and I haven't had any problems. Yeah. It's a lot easier than I think people make it out to be. Yeah. Not very easy. Very easy. Um, I found something for myself is that if, if I slowly replace the ingredients in my house with vegan ingredients and then pretend they're not vegan, like cook that way, that's an easy way too. Um, and you said you're feeling good. Yeah. You're no feeling great. Yeah. Looking good, feeling good. No more stomach aches, which is a big plus. I mean. <clears throat> so when you got stomach aches, probably from dairy? Yeah. So I, seriously, I had You're cramps lact- all the time. And yeah. My mom's lactose intolerant. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm pro- I probably am too. But here I am vegetarian. People are telling me, you need cheese and milk for protein or you're going to be like sick in bed. So there I am shoving it in my mouth and thinking I'm being healthy when it's the exact yeah, opposite. Well that's that's and the dairy industry has been very effective at convincing people they need calcium and protein from dairy when the exact opposite is Yeah, the, if you, if you look truth. up milk and you see what it actually does for your bones. And it the, takes calcium right out of them. Yeah, and peop, it's just this whole myth and people are feeding right into it. And like I said, I'm a marketing major and I know all about advertising things like that and what you're doing is you're buying Can you put us on the map? <laughs> what you're doing is can you make us huge? Yeah. Come on, Christine. I can. All right. You heard it, listeners. <laughs> We're going to be the number one show in the country by we, the end of the year. We'll be a product. It's our resolution. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, I right now, after finding out all this information, I, mean, I can't just take it and sit back and be like, well, there it was. Well, sucks I'm living in a world like this. And I mean... The moment I started reading about it, I made it a personal responsibility to do something about it. And right now I'm looking into funding for a documentary about ignorance. And, I mean, God knows where that's going to go. And A documentary about ig- ignorance. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's awesome. throw a cracker on the floor and somebody's going to be like, gross, don't pick that up. The bacteria, well... Why are you eating meat when it's, you know, it's got bacteria? So you're kind of contradicting yourself. It's been on the slaughterhouse floor, dragged through fecal matter, splattered with blood and boogers. (laughs) It's the most disgusting thing ever. Sounds so tasty on the grill. 
how you boogers on the grill. Oh yeah, and then you then you grill it and get some good carcinogens into it. Yep, that's some tasty. And then it sits in your colon <laughs> for weeks rotting. But it's funny the stomach thing for me. It's like I wasn't diagnosed lactose intolerant at all, and uh, you know. We have these aches and pains and stomach stuff that we just live with on a daily basis and we ignore them completely. And upon becoming vegan, half of that, you know, I have some other stuff that obviously like, you know, I got a toothache. Oh, I'm sorry. I need to go to the dentist. That's, you know, not going to get fixed by veganism. But like... Oh, yes, it will. Everything. <laughs> everything heals from the veganism <laughs> is the heal all, is the fountain Broccoli of youth. Broccoli brushes your teeth. It does. <laughs> Kale cleans your gums. This is true. This is true. But <laughs> tofu makes them whiter. <laughs> but the fact is that, like you know, I became vegan, and I'm like, oh, I feel a thousand percent better. I'm more awake most of the time when I get some sleep. But like you know, and I don't feel sick ever in my stomach. I have a stomach of steel, and like I can eat spicy foods like crazy, no matter what. But like I would get so sick and wonder why, and it was totally dairy. And this is like, this is coming from me, which my stomach never gets bothered by anything. It should show you something that like, maybe... And to parents out there, um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, maybe go that's ahead. the dairy. That was it. That was it. I, I, I wanted to say that a lot of <clears throat> um, childhood problems are related to dairy. <clears throat> childhood onset diabetes it has a definite connection to dairy products as well as ear infections. Um, you'll find that if you have a child with a lot of ear infections, get them off dairy, um, respiratory problems, uh, obesity, of course. Totally. And I, I took a class in college, um, my first year in college, a lot of years ago, uh, called Barbie's Bodies and Coming of Age. And it was, you know, a little intro class. We were talking about basically the early onset of puberty that's been occurring more and more um, oh, yeah. in American girls. And they say that it could be kind of psychological almost due to the fact that we're thrown, you know, sexual images in media consistently. Um, and girls are, you know, just growing because of that. But mostly they think Sadly. it's the hormones in the milk. Yeah. And mixed with that, you know, mixed with kind of like the mental atmosphere of America mixed with the dairy, the complete dairy and, push and towards young girls. And we should also mention that the hormones... You know, a lot of people will drink organic milk or uh, whatever to try to avoid the hormones, but the hormones are endemic to the milk. They're, you know, cow's milk already has hormones in it. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get the, was the RGBH make, free, make but... little baby calves grow into full-grown cows yeah, quickly. Yeah, I mean... I'm, and then they've been genetically modified over the years to have more and more hormones. They produce more and more milk, uh, probably like 10 times as much milk as they did you know, 50 years ago. And then, and then if you're not drinking organic milk, you're getting extra amounts of hormones from the RGBH. This is true. I mean, yeah, meat is dirty and milk is not meant for our bodies. That's pretty <clears throat> much the back yeah. and forth and, of and it. Milk and dairy <laughs> is one of the main causes of um, reproductive cancers, which in men are prostate and women is breast and ovary cancer some of the main killers out there this is true this is true so it's the biggest whitewash ever milk it's a whitewash milk <laughs> whitewash people if you go to notmilk.com i mean it'll tell you the whole history of milk and um there's information on people i don't know if they took them to court or whatever they confronted the milk industry and you can actually see the testimonies and things like that yeah it's it's all there 
It's just people. The dairy industry aware. is very powerful, and it's hard to hard to uh, get any information out there because the government, the media, everything is controlled and by money, and the dairy industry has a lot of money. <clears throat> when is the kale industry going to start <laughs> fighting back? We've made a kale switch at home. That's awesome. Kale smoothies. Yeah. Well, uh, what? <laughs> cure what ails you. Well, this is true. We um we were eating spinach. Now we just eat spinach and salads. We completely switched to kale in the house. It's it's awesome. Kale in the house. Kale in the house. I mean, we're super fortunate. <laughs> this is funny too. This is something we were talking about. Is that you live in Westfield and it's like almost a different world in terms of being able to get vegan stuff like you've really got to watch your labels and stuff and this is this is 15 minutes away from where we are and like you know she lives her life in westfield she picks up stuff for her family in westfield it's got to be easy and like it should be like available to stuff you know stuff for everyone everywhere i'm sure you can get soy milk yeah and whatever but like you know in terms of you know the selection just is nutritional yeast and egg replacement yeah exactly well it's hard enough for me to dig that up like, sometimes they're out of stock at places, you know? Hey, guys, I got a special treat for us all today. What is it? What is it? So I made this new, um, I was playing around with GarageBand, which is what we record our podcasts, you know, we edit the podcast with. GarageBand? We, we being me. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just upgraded to the latest GarageBand and was playing around with their uh, loops and musical uh, toys. And I also play guitar. Ooh. <clears throat> and I was making, He's a renaissance I'm man. making a little background um, song to play behind some promotions that I'm going to be doing for the Vegan Bus. Great. And uh, this, this song that I made, I'm calling it The Funky Animal. <laughs> and I'm really proud. It's just a minute and a half long. Sweet. If, Let's if do you, it. If you feel inspired to talk over it, you can. Okay. Let's do it. You're listening to Valley Free Radio. WXOJLP Northampton 103.3 FM. The show is Vegan Radio. And this is my song. Oh. <laughs> Play. <laughs> nice. There you go. Go vegan. It's funky, huh? It is funky. Who's playing the drums there? Was that Garage Band playing the drums? Garage Band drum loops. Nice. <laughs> Drums by Garage Band. Oh, and all this guitar is done acoustically with uh, Garage Band filters to make it sound like electric. That's some craziness. Making music a vegan activity. Oh, the vegan part's about to come in. Okay, I'm ready. After the thunderstorm. <laughs> <laughs> the vegan apocalypse first there is nature and then the cow I gotta hang out with some cows here come the sheep (laughs) and some sheep (laughs) (laughs) and the birds Seagulls. Oh no. Seagulls and bagels. (laughs) That's pretty great. I I like it. I should be on like American Idol or something. Yeah. Yeah. You should be on American (laughs) Idol or something. (laughs) Emphasis on the or something. 
So, yes, yeah, so excitement, veganism, recruiting another one. <laughs> recruiting. So we have a new vegan, three weeks old. Yeah, I found out a friend of mine recently who I thought had been vegan forever because we talked about it. It's only two months in, too. I think more and more people, you know, really interested in it. Really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, maybe I, we just live in the right area, but uh, and maybe I, because I'm so immersed in the vegan scene at this point that i'm picking <laughs> up on it i got vegan vision or like <laughs> vegan dar or whatever Ve- <clears throat> veg dar vegadar <laughs> veg dar the... i have no gaydar <laughs> that's that's you clear didn't. from my dating history <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> i do a veg dar i can also smell cheese from 30 feet away now really that's, oh yeah it's that creepy like uh, <laughs> i'm a superhero that's not an asset no, no, it's good. I know how to hide from it or <laughs> attack. <laughs> no. Is it just when people cut the cheese or is it, can, you, <laughs> can you smell uncut cheese? All cheeses. Cut, uncut. Yep, okay. melted. Well, you, know what, you know what time it is. It's time to meander through the end of the show it's like we always do. <laughs> meandering outros. Oh, Christine, it's been a pleasure. You saved us. You did. <laughs> Without you, we, we wouldn't have known what to talk about. Yeah, we would have probably just uh, blabbed at each other the entire show. Oh, what are we doing now? <laughs> you know, I haven't listened to your wacky intro, intro from last week's. Oh, really? No. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. But everyone else can listen to it on the website, which we're we're working on making more user-friendly. Yep. I'm hoping to get some recipes up for you guys soon. So... That's uh, veganradio.com. You've been listening to Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. It's true. And uh, if you stay tuned, Scene Red, the coolest political show ever, I think. Tony's holding a knife to my... (laughs) 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 He's threatening me. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. And, Christine, we hope... uh, your veganism will continue and grow stronger. Yeah, and keep us updated on your projects, you know. Let us know about your clothing line and I was documentary. We have a vegan fashion show. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool hearing thing. that. <laughs> I don't know if Northampton could handle it. Yeah, they can. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. Uh, Scott will be back next week with any luck. Yeah, our, we hope two so. Weeks. Our next show is... Uh, so we won't slaughter the, <laughs> the news next week. <laughs> I won't. I won't rattle on about clue, clue, Yep, we need Scott to do really good news. So our next show is uh, April second, and we have Julia Butterfly Hill, the Legacy of Luna. Thanks for listening, and uh, that's it for us. Have a good night. Thanks. Go guys. vegan. Welcome, kiddies. Vegan School 101 with Warwack. It's the fifth episode. Last week, we, we looked at Obama, and we learned a little bit about Thomas Jefferson and how he said if 
people let government decide what foods they eat and what medicines they take, their bodies will soon be in as sorry a state as the souls of those who live under tyranny. You know, that was Thomas Jefferson over 200 years ago. Well, he had it right. The world is a vampire, and Obama is the Lizard Foundation's most valuable corpse muncher in their war against humanity. You know, they say I'm crazy. They say I'm out on the freaking ledge, out past the edge, and no one even knew was there. Don't even get me started, you know. Obama's got blood on his chin, and he was caught munching on corpses. And if you think about having other people do your murder for you, and uh, it's a big problem. But Obama addressed the nation in his weekly YouTube address, and uh, he demonized peppers, tomatoes, spinach, peanut butter, you know, as the evils threatening the food supply. If you listen real careful, he does slip in a mention of downer cows and a loophole, allowing them in to the food supply and uh, feeding them to children. Listen careful, because it's just a quick little sentence, a blurb, a little side note. And uh, if you think about what he's really saying, there never was a loophole. There's been a law in the book since 1906 with the Meat Inspection Act that says the USDA has the mandatory inspection of livestock before every slaughter. You know, and that's been since 1906. They don't follow the rules. They don't listen to anyone. I mean, who are these people following the rules? They're corpse munchers themselves anyway. They don't care about animals. So... Let's give a listen to Obama as he's frightened about peppers, tomatoes, spinach, and peanut butter. Oh, my. Peppers, tomatoes, spinach, and peanut butter. Oh, my. I've often said that I don't believe government has the answer to every problem or that it can do all things for all people. We're a nation built on the strength of individual initiative. But there are certain things that we can't do on our own. There are certain things only government can do. And one of those things is ensuring that the foods we eat and the medicines we take are safe and don't cause us harm. That's the mission of our Food and Drug Administration, and it is a mission shared by our Department of Agriculture and a variety of other agencies and offices at just about every level of government. The men and women who inspect our foods and test the safety of our medicines are chemists, pharmacists. It's because of the work they do each and every day that the United States is one of the safest places in the world to buy groceries at a supermarket or pills at a drugstore. Unlike citizens of so many other countries, Americans can trust that there is a strong system in place to ensure that the medications we give our children will help them get better, not make them sick, and that a family dinner won't end in a trip to the doctor's office. But in recent years, we've seen a number of problems with the food making its way to our kitchen tables. In 2006, it was contaminated spinach. In 2008, it was salmonella in peppers and possibly tomatoes. And just this year, bad peanut products led to hundreds of illnesses and cost nine people their lives. A painful reminder of how tragic the consequences can be when food producers act irresponsibly and government is unable to do its job. Worse, these incidents reflect a troubling trend that's seen the average number of outbreaks from contaminated produce and other foods grow to nearly 350 a year, up from 100 a year in the early 1990s. Part of the reason is that many of the laws and regulations governing food safety in America have not been updated since they were written in the time of Teddy Roosevelt. It's also because our system of inspection and enforcement is spread out so widely among so many people that it's difficult for different parts of our government to share information work together and solve problems. 
And it's also because the FDA has been underfunded and understaffed in recent years, leaving the agency with the resources to inspect just 7,000 of our 150,000 food processing plants and warehouses each year. That means roughly 95% of them go uninspected. That's a hazard to public health. It's unacceptable, and it will change under the leadership of Dr. Margaret Hamburg, who I'm appointing today as Commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration. Their critical work, and the critical work of the FDA they lead, will be part of a larger effort taken up by a new food safety working group I'm creating. This working group will bring together cabinet secretaries and senior officials to advise me on how we can upgrade our food safety laws for the 21st century, foster coordination throughout our government, and ensure that we are not just designing laws that will keep the American people safe, but enforcing them. And I expect this group to report back to me with recommendations as soon as possible. As part of our commitment to public health, our agriculture department is closing a loophole in the system to ensure that diseased cows don't find their way into the food supply. And we're also strengthening our food safety system and modernizing our labs with a billion dollar investment, a portion of which will go towards significantly increasing the number of food inspectors, helping ensure that the FDA has the staff and support they need to protect the food we eat. In the end, food safety is something I take seriously, not just as your president, but as a parent. When I heard peanut products were being contaminated earlier this year, I immediately thought of my seven-year-old daughter, Sasha, who has peanut butter sandwiches for lunch probably three times a week. No parent should have to worry that their child is going to get sick from their lunch just as no family should have to worry that the medicines they buy will cause them harm. Protecting the safety of our food and drugs is one of the most fundamental responsibilities government has. And with the outstanding team I am announcing today, it is a responsibility that I intend to uphold in the months and years to come. Thanks. Well, there you have it, straight from the corpse muncher's mouth. Take it for what it's worth. Realize that, uh, you know, anything he says is just designed to ease fears amongst corpse munchers out there. He wants to keep America a corpse munching nation. I'm going to finish this one off with a quote by Nietzsche from back from the 1860s, 70s. Uh, He saw what was going on, German philosopher. Anyways, he said, all ancient philosophy was oriented toward the simplicity of life and taught a certain kind of modesty in one's need. In light of this, the few philosophic vegetarians have done more for mankind than all new philosophers, and as long as philosophers do not take courage to seek out a totally changed way of life and to demonstrate it by their example, they are worth nothing. Something to think about. Hi, I'm Sarah Kramer from GoVegan.net, and you're listening to Vegan Radio. (laughs) 